On this episode of SSI Executive Conversations, Darwin sits down with founder of Concise Engineering, Justin Vushko. They talk about design and development of medical technology tools, the process of Concise Engineering, and their perspectives on the LSI Emerging MedTech Summit. I'm extremely excited to welcome Justin Bushko, uh, the founder of Concise Engineering, onto the SSI Executive Conversations podcast series. Uh, I have really enjoyed getting to know Justin and, and the relationship uh, that, that we're forming. Uh, he's got an incredible background, uh, started out his career uh, in development in industry with you know helping build companies over 18 years of R&D, design and development, systems engineering, and product management. And then in 2015, Justin founded Concise Engineering, a consulting firm that helps medical device companies efficiently develop and, and launch innovative products that are bringing value to our ecosystem. Uh, Concise Engineering offers clients over 20 years of expertise in all phases and facets of new product development. Um, so I know Justin has a real passion uh, for development and so that passion has helped him and drove him to be a part of developing and supporting over a thousand products, managing 50 million in R&D budgets, and achieving over $5 billion in new revenue for startups and Fortune 500 medical device companies over his career. So uh, besides the passion for the beard, uh, he has a huge passion for product development. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing your experience and expertise with our following, Justin. So Justin, why don't we start off uh, just jumping into this first question and get your insight on what, what do you... What would you say is important for companies to consider when they're thinking about going externally for support for design and development of products? Well, I think one of the uh, initial things is the experience and concentration of that consulting or contract firm that you're hiring. Um, I'm seeing that a lot of the consulting industry is consistently adding services and not always where they fit best. For example, many of the contract manufacturing companies today are adding in contract manufacturing or medical just because of the recent pandemic, uh, because they see profits in it. So it's yes. definitely tricky. Do they have the right people? Do they have the right staff that have done something in your industry? And uh, have they done similar projects and know the pitfalls? So making sure you have that experienced staff on your team is critical. I, I think what you just said resonated to me in so many different ways. And if you look at the pandemic, there's multiple companies, uh, whether it's a startup, whether it's an existing company that was in that era or pivoted uh, in terms of IVD testing, PPE, ventilators that grew and made a bunch of money, but maybe weren't set up in the best fashion strategically that then were turned around doing layoffs or, you know, not, not in the best situation. So what you just described there really resonates in a, in a lot of different ways. Absolutely. And that's definitely the case in, in a lot of areas. Uh, those companies set up, they may have released a product or not, uh, but now they're in the medical device industry. So right. uh, just because a lot of spend came in, they're going to kind of push in that area. And I know several companies that are now 40 to 60% of their products are medical, but they're really defense contractors and right. automotive companies. Right. And, you know, it's hard to be everything to everybody, for sure. 
Um, as I, I was even thinking about this, uh, I had the opportunity on Monday to present for uh, design and, and development relevant to talent management strategies for commercial launch. And even in terms of companies considering what their resources are and how they target that, you know, take that hybrid approach to on-site versus virtual or digital channels, um, you know, not overdoing it relevant to how many channels they take to make sure that their, their resources and how they get the best ROI matchup. Um, so let's let's second question. I was uh, from a proactivity standpoint. So how soon should a company start thinking about this? And let me let me clarify that question. So essentially, sometimes leadership will think, well, hey, we don't need that yet. Uh, we're not to that point yet. And when it, from that standpoint, how far in advance should a leadership team or um, you know? relevant executive be thinking about what they need to understand for their options, in, including what making sure they have the right type of company proactively, get an agreement in place so that they're actually ready to execute when the time is right? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Uh, a lot of times uh, people are, are just going to get a couple more contractors or wanting to you know, add some more staff. But yeah. having the partners uh, in, in your back pocket that you know you've utilized maybe on a smaller project, you've built trust with over time, uh, having those people available is invaluable when you get that unbelievable opportunity for growth, an injection of capital, um, or just a, a pivot where the company needs to push hard. Uh, trying to find those partners can take you a long time and to vet who's good and who's not good. You'll lose potentially six to nine months in that um, discussion. So I yeah. would say have partners in your back pocket that you've worked with in the past and continually cultivate that and make sure they're still available. I think that is really smart and great advice. And I want to ask you a follow-up to that. And I'll, I'll give a kind of an example of that, but I'd like you to expand, expound on that relevant to startups. And the, the piece that I want to sort of set the stage for that, when I entered eight years ago into talent management and recruiting, I actually had, you know, a mentor, a great mentor to me, but he talked about that in terms of the process that companies look at it from, from he'd been in it, doing it for, for 30 years, almost like thinking about the ambulance chaser and how much pain companies are in and that the more pain they're in, the more they're going to pay, you, you know, kind of the better it is yeah. for the, for the recruiting firm. Quote yeah, unquote. I, I can and, see that. And I, I just think that's so interesting. And as we've grown, being able to have strategic partners, uh, we've actually signed two contracts in the last probably 90 days where we're not even going to be working on something quite yet. But we will be moving into the end of the second quarter and the third quarter. And so understanding what your needs are, what you want from that relationship, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and making sure that it's a benefit for both sides I think is so important. And so maybe you could talk, expound a little bit more on what you shared earlier in thinking about a, a startup and where they're at in, in their stage uh, for discovery and, and proactivity. Yeah. So we have engaged with uh, several startups, you know, very early on just with a, an initial concept. Um, and we're happy to engage in a, an informal relationship as well. Like, do you know a lawyer that can help me with this particular item? Do you know a, 
a KOL or a particular surgeon that's got experience in this area. So uh, we definitely think engaging early is is critical, especially once a startup is funded, you know, they should already have partners. Those partners are probably already in their pitch deck, right? You don't yeah. want to be the guy who meets them after they got funded. So we want to make sure that we're involved. We're helping them do some initial bids, perhaps to, to support their funding initiatives uh, and then work in some small contracts. Maybe we can help them with uh, some regulatory or quality aspects of their upfront details. Maybe we can give them some estimates on capital materials or, or capital um, acquisition that, that's going to be required for their molding, et cetera. So uh, we definitely like to engage as early as possible. Um, so I, I agree with you. You, you got to get those agreements in place and those relationships built because some of these startups can be two years before they have money. Uh, yes. Especially in, in where we are today. Absolutely. And I, I, I think that's so right. And it, it would almost be like, a you know, you, we, we go to LSI and somebody's sharing is just incredible innovators, opportunity to, to learn, grow, collaborate, network. But in the innovator presentations, they, they already have a board. So not understanding what market niche and what areas that, that you have an opportunity to benefit patients or you know, not having a reimbursement strategy or not understanding how you're going to look at manufacturing. Are you gonna do contract manufacturing? Are you gonna, are you gonna do all the manufacturing yourself, the design yourself, or who those partners are gonna to be to bridge that? Maybe at some point you manufacture it yourself, but in the same fashion, it would be like waiting until later to have, you know, to have an advisory board. So I think that's really smart. In regard to, to your company, and let's just talk about companies in general. Uh, there's a lot of companies out there that do design and development and uh, um, some across multiple industries, some more focused uh, on different aspects of design and development life cycle. So when you think about what you got, what you do and companies that do things similar to you, maybe you could give us some insight into how that is segmented from your experience, larger versus smaller projects, parts of the process versus the entirety of the design and development process and then different industries, for example. Yeah, absolutely. The large companies, as you mentioned, there's, there's some folks out there that do defense, automotive, and medical is just one piece of the puzzle. Uh, those those firms are out there you just definitely got to research make sure they've worked in your space before um, also you've got on the completely opposite end the solopreneur there could be one guy out there uh, and he's you know working his contract or he's taking on some some key projects uh, so you have uh, that aspect that is some, sometimes happening and people are trying to vet them uh, if you can hire him full time as a startup company maybe that works but uh, it's definitely tricky because They've got their um, their experience in one particular area. Uh, we we tend to find that it's most people are looking for a team, right? They want a group of experienced people that know what to do in different aspects. So having a regulatory, quality, mechanical, electrical, industrial design, software, firmware, all those different folks on our team, uh, we have the ability to kind of stretch a little bit. And uh, the same thing happens in larger organizations. They may have those groups, but those groups may not be interacting on a regular basis specific to a medical device. Uh, so our teams are custom picked, always working on uh, in tandem with the same types of folks. And so we find that that is really critical in the engagement. Um, 
and we focus 100% on medical devices. You know, we we don't take on commercial or automotive projects or defense. Um, you know, that just hasn't been our focus. Uh, we know where we're good, and we stay where we enjoy it. Now, I appreciate you sharing. I think that's that's really smart. And I, I, the other thing I'm just going to throw out there is, I mean, your background, educational, technical expertise as an electrical engineer, a lot of experience in design and development of, you know, combination products and electromechanical. And when you think about where the world is going, uh, the amount of investment in, um, you know, 29.1 billion in digital health. And then two years ago, last year, over 16 billion, it's supposed to be similar now. So digital health, you know, robotics, monitoring, telehealth, um, that area, wearable technologies is going to grow like crazy. So having somebody that has an understanding and a focus in that area as the market continues to evolve, I, I think is, it's going to be really important for people that have those types of, of products as the metaverse continues to evolve. Absolutely. And they are adding data collection to just about everything you can think of. Um, right. And we've worked on some projects where we're doing data collection that it's not even clinically relevant, but it somehow helps the sales force or some other aspect of the medical device uh, ecosystem. Uh, we have worked on products where we're capturing you know, real-time or almost real-time data. FDA doesn't like when you say real-time. So almost real-time <laughs> right. data and uh, pushing that into the cloud where then clinicians and other folks can work on that. Um, that data is is critical to the use and capture of big data in the future. So big companies are driving this forward and all the smaller companies realize without data in their ecosystem, um, you're not going to get investors. You're not going to be part of that bandwagon. So uh, I'm even seeing people add data where data really isn't required. Uh, you know, we we try to push back a little bit if it's if it's really not going to be a benefit. Uh, but we can take care of those things and, and make the right recommendations and put in the infrastructure from a hardware perspective to add it in the future or whatever is best for the uh, for the startup. You just said something that is so smart and so relevant and it's so we're, we're the, we we are inundated with information un, inundated with with white noise and the world you know from a microwave standpoint for how quickly things come at us and so one of the things that you just said that just hit me immediately was that sometimes certain technology depending what's the right time to add it maybe you don't need it right now uh Christopher Lafayette was the keynote speaker. I think you were, the, uh, that's where you and I first met at the Medical Device and Manufacturing Conference in Anaheim. But he talked about how quickly that artificial intelligence and technology is advancing and the things in, in R&D right now would absolutely blow our minds and that there's going to have, there's going to be companies and executives that are going to need, need to be very careful over the next 12 to 18 months in terms of what they invest in, because there could be money that is spent that is almost obsolete six months later. So, you know, you just said, hey, maybe you don't need this right now or that. But I kind of thought about going in, going to get a car or uh, a, a stove, like a, a stove at our house that that costs a thousand dollars more because you can melt fine chocolates to a certain amount would be wasted, right? We don't need that. That's that's not something we're going to 
do. We'll go buy that. So I, I thought was that was really resonated with me. Yeah, I think putting those things into your roadmap and understanding where you want them and why you need them is important. And you can have those conversations with investors today, but you don't necessarily need to put forward the effort to actually develop it uh, if you have a path to revenue faster and it's mm -hmm. not going to impact you in getting on market. Right, because managing growth, managing resources is, is, is not easy. It's a challenge for, for everybody. Um, okay. We were both at LSI, maybe kind of jumped into uh, giving LSI their, their, uh, an initial shout out already, but uh, I think it is one of the premier conference for emerging med tech, for, for innovators, investors, strategics, uh, learning and collaboration. So when you think about that uh, venue and us, you know, we were there, to get, there together the whole time. What were some of your takeaways? And do you have any insights or perspectives on different product categories or clinical areas relevant to what you're seeing in the market with companies asking for support in different areas? Yeah, well, I think one thing just about the event in general, it's definitely a premier event and the caliber of people there is higher than at a lot of places. You know, like, for example, at MDNM West, right, you can basically get an almost free Mm -hmm. um, you know, but you're paying to come to LSI. The people that are there are engaged, wanting to see new information. So it's a great group of people to, to network with. Um, and they're there to expand their knowledge and relationships. So they're, they're interested in what's being said and, and interested in meeting new people. So I think that was great. Uh, as far as the, uh, the number of startups and the different products that are being discussed, uh, as you mentioned, uh, is there a particular area where I saw a lot or at least things kind of resonated with me? I think uh, still a lot of movement in the cardiac space, a lot of cardiac devices being discussed, a lot of surgical and robotics being discussed. And, and all those things are kind of in our wheelhouse. We love surgical products. So um, mm -hmm. that's where we uh, focus quite a bit. A, a lot of also kind of post-surgical products, monitoring in the ICU and things along those lines. So I think those are really pushing to you know, reduce infection, reduce uh, secondary events, uh, reduce readmittance. So a lot of really cool products in that space as well. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, some in wearables. Uh, I actually don't think it was heavy in wearables this year, um, but, I, but I always like to see the wearables and where things are going because there is a lot of movement in that space. I absolutely agree. And, and again, you know, uh, Christopher's not paying me for this, so uh, but his presentation and the points that he made for anybody that follows him, he's certainly worth following the information he puts out there relevant to AI and, and the metaverse. But uh, I've seen multiple presentations where you look at hospital systems have challenges relevant to, uh, you know, call, everybody's dealing with obviously cost, inflation of supplies and access of getting supplies, but you look at labor costs into hospital systems is a real challenge. Cybersecurity is a real challenge. Allocation and best utilization of space. And so with some of, you know, I think there were nine, uh, I did a post in the past that there were about nine different robotic surgical companies there. One of those is focused on uh, virtual surgical. Uh, I've seen scenarios where hospitals we're not that far away potentially from uh, a patient going to a hospital and being in a virtual environment where a physician 
is actually treating them and consulting them that's not even in the same state or country. Um, and so as you, as you kind of think about that and where things are, are going, um, I think our ability to take data and you just talked about monitoring, being able to, to print for pre prevent readmission. And so I think it's going to be really interesting because I look at products uh, and I don't know, this is kind of off out of left field, but you talked about the things that you're excited about developing, how it bene benefits us. I look at products for, for me, what clinical problem does it solve? You know, certainly in terms of how it benefits people access and the most impact, does that make sense relevant to the investment? And then how does that allow the ecosystem and the healthcare system to hopefully re not only benefit the patients and, and their loved ones and the system, but reallocate money elsewhere so that it benefits everybody. So I don't know if you have any uh, secondary thoughts on that. Yeah, I think anywhere that the hospital can improve their service um, and potentially recapture funds is gonna be beneficial as you described. I see a lot of folks finding um, really kind of niche ways to gather a little bit more information that can be coupled with other information that's already present mm -hmm. and you know, show that they can reduce this or increase that. And it's been you know, pretty small steps from a wearable perspective Yes. coupled with maybe four or five other pieces of data. And it's like, are you serious? You just created like this whole potentially industry changing feature. Um, so it there's a lot out there. And I think when you start doing those things, your readmittance is gonna drop. You're gonna catch uh, a heart attack or a stroke before it happens. You're gonna know it's coming. And, and then you can actually Take advantage of that. There's going to be less people in the beds. Uh, you're going to know what's happening. You're not going to have to administer as many um, actual procedures, and perhaps by your by stopping it early. So, right, very and, good and things that, coming. And that was mentioned in one of the keynote presentations that Scott Pantel had on University of California and how they're sharing information and utilizing that information to help make better decisions. And so that collaboration of, of information to be able to make better decisions and how that benefits all of us, you know, if, if you're not outcomes driven, then how do you validate where you're putting resources? And then if you're not using analytics to, to then take that back to, to, to the outcomes, the data, your processes, I just don't know how you can really have real best practices. And I think as, as the technology continues to grow, those that don't look at it that way and understand that are going to have a real hard time uh, competing in whatever functional area of the industry that they're in. Yeah. And I think some of this stuff is really from a, it's almost like a functional medicine, right? There's extra pieces in that, in that puzzle where if they stay focused on just what they're doing from a clinician standpoint, um, and they're not aware of other things that are being measured by maybe other clinicians in the hospital, you know, they're going to miss something and it's going to be, you know, it's not even common. It's not an easy thing to see. You have to have right. more data to kind of identify these trends over time at these at large facilities in order to see that, like, yes, hey, we've proven that this coupled with a little bit of uh, machine learning, we can detect, uh, you know, a heart attack, you know, four days before it occurs. Right. Yeah, and it's like you even look at it from a body standpoint, right? And to your point, it's all interconnected. 
you can have uh, you can have incredible circulation, but if you don't have ventilation, you're in trouble, and vice versa, right? Absolutely. It all it all interconnects. Um, lastly, you know, last question for you here. Um, I really appreciate your time. Uh, could talk to you for another another half hour, but as <laughs> you start <laughs> as you started your career in industry. Your last stop was, was ConMed before moving into the areas of entrepreneurship and then, you know, starting Concise. And, uh, and I know we've had conversations with us for relevant to both our journeys, but could you kind of, you know, share whatever nuggets or insights on that kind of how you made the decision to start your journey and what it's meant to you uh, to, to go from corporate America and then to have successfully made the transition uh, into, into being an entrepreneur? Yes. So it, in my opinion, the most important part about the journey is all the relationships that you build along the way. Yeah. So um, I had worked uh, actually my last one was Smith and Nephew, which I, I must have just gave you some information out of order. But ConMed, I was there for about 10 years, then went to Smith and Nephew wow. for three and a half. And they closed the facility here that was local. So small, small facility wanted to close that. And I'm in Florida, so I didn't feel like moving to the UK or Texas. So I enjoy where <laughs> right. I am. I'm staying here. Um, so that was the jumping point, right? I kind of had an impetus to, to make a decision what I wanted to do, kind of started some stuff on the side. Uh, but the strong people working around you and the people that you can leverage, uh, you're going to stumble without them. So it's important to know that those people are there to support you. Uh, it's difficult to cultivate leads in the marketplace if you don't know people in the industry and, uh, you know, yeah. most of our business here, as you as you're aware, it's generated by word of mouth. Right. Everybody knows everybody. And that's where you get your business. So your your background, your um, reputation are critical. And, you know, obviously you have to be deliverable oriented and successful in that path. So uh, relationships have been huge. Uh, it's been a great journey for me, both personally and professionally. Um, and, you know, starting your own business, where else can you wear every single hat in the organization all at once? Oh, wow. <clears throat> and then you have to start to assign them to other people. So it's been great. Uh, I just saw something recently that said each quarter is a new journey for an entrepreneur. And I definitely experienced <laughs> that over the last eight years. So uh, it's been a great road and I'm, I'm happy to be on it. That is, I mean, there's so much that you just said that just resonated with me so much. and absolutely things change so quickly just looking at you know look at the when the pandemic hit and then a lot of a lot of problems and disruptions but at the same time a lot of positive relevant to how we adjust access clinical trials uh innovative new technologies that, that came from that then you turn around and and things have been a lot of tighter the last couple of quarters with uh the recession and things costing more. So yeah, things change really quickly. And what you just said about relationships, uh, having made the decision, never owned a, a business before and really never, I really didn't know a whole lot about recruiting directly. It was all indirect. And so we both know the statistics <laughs> of how many companies don't make it the first two yes. years. And, how many don't make it the, the, the next five years? What I really didn't understand even then, but understand very clearly the last four years is how many, you know, only 70% of companies across all industries make it the first 10 years because you can be successful initially and then 
you know, but it's really hard to, to scale. And um, so there's no way without the relationships and the mentors and the people that have given me uh, their kindness, their grace and their insights uh, that I'd, I'd be sitting here right now. So that definitely resonated for me. Yeah, the, as you said, there's definitely critical milestones every three to six months or a year, and you've got to be aware of them, work with your, your team and those folks that are giving you advice and just continually figure out the next steps. Well, if I have an idea and and uh, going to design and develop it, some you're 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 first on my on my call list, man. So well, uh, I appreciate appreciate your time. Forward I look to forward to continuing to uh, you know support each other and find ways to collaborate and uh, you know pass off the baton uh, from the relationships we're having when they 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 need what you do because uh, I think first and foremost having somebody with integrity and values uh, that you can trust and will tell you what they can do, what they can't do. And that, you, you know, you can trust what they have to say is, is vital. And, uh, from the first time I met you, that was quite obvious, uh, in terms of who you are. So thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for sharing, uh, your information. And we'll, we'll have to think about doing this again. Uh, you know, maybe at the end of the year, or beginning of next year. Sounds great. I appreciate all the kind words. Uh, definitely enjoy their relationship and look forward to seeing it at the next show. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. For the video recording of this podcast, along with additional resources, make sure to find us on the web at SureGSolutions.com and follow us on social media and LinkedIn at SureGSolutions.